Welcome to the Rise Network podcast show, a podcast dedicated to help you reach your dream lifestyle through investing in real estate. We're going to be sitting down with new, intermediate, and experienced investors to talk all about real estate and how it has changed their lives. If you're looking to scale your portfolio or even just get into real estate investing, you're in the right place. Make sure to tune in. Hello, everyone. Good night. Well, it's not good night, but we're filming this in the middle of night. <laughs> good night before the release. <laughs> yeah, literally, it is 10 p.m. the day before this episode releases. But Mayu, how's everything going with you, man? It's good. It's good. Uh, nothing too crazy. I feel like we're both kind of um, in, in, we're working on different, I guess, aspects of our businesses. Um, the real estate market, I'm sure, like everyone knows, is absolutely crazy right now. Um, I had an offer out on a 10 plex that one got beat out and I've got another offer out on a duplex, but these are all kind of in the Eastern, um, like New Brunswick area, which is basically where I'm looking right now. Um, the Windsor market, awesome. Like we, we both look at it like religiously and shit is crazy. Um, but that doesn't mean that people aren't finding good deals out there still. Like, you know, it's possible. Uh, yeah, didn't but, one but, of uh, one of our buddies they ended up buying a fourplex for a really cheap price i think 100k yeah. per unit and two of the units are vacant so there are deals out there don't get don't get us wrong right just a matter yeah. of finding them yep yep for sure what's going on with you man yeah uh things have been a bit crazy really i'm moving into a new place now so we finally got occupancy on uh the condo the pre-construction that i bought so i'm excited there so i'll be moving out living alone for the first time living alone or living with with your girlfriend well living with my girlfriend but that like living alone in the sense that i've never cooked a meal my entire life i never (laughs) you ready for the bill to pile in man dude if people read the toronto life article they clearly know i didn't do shit at home i was spoiled (laughs) (laughs) well that's the best way right like you don't have a grocery bill like water bottles are always there and like everything's just good well did you guys buy your furniture yet Oh yeah. So we started buying a couple of pieces of furniture. So I went there today. Right. And then I stopped by Loblaws because I was hungry and there's no food. Dude, I see why people like freaking spend so much money in downtown, like a a chicken wing, one chicken wing, like literally a chicken, tiny chicken wing. It was a dollar 99. I was like, dude, this is ridiculous. You know? (laughs) Yeah. So, so I used to go, uh, cause I live downtown as well for anyone that doesn't know, but I used to buy groceries every time I went back to Markham because it was a lot cheaper there. I don't know what it is, but things are definitely more expensive in downtown. So that's interesting, man. Yeah. So actually I, I completed, oh, interestingly enough, due to COVID, the builder sent uh, their own inspector to do their PDI pre inspection delivery. I didn't go there. Right. Um, um, not pre inspection delivery, pre delivery inspection PDI. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they only marked four or five deficiencies. I was like, this is odd with new builds. We usually see 20 plus. So I went there myself upon occupying it right. First day. And the builder basically said within 24 hours, I need to get all deficiencies. Dude, I found 50 deficiencies in the, yeah. like more than 50 deficiencies in the condo. Uh, the, the, like, honestly, you know, my bedroom lights don't even work. Damn. Yeah. And the electrical panel, everything was turned on. So I was like, this doesn't make sense. And then we tested the outlets in the bedroom, nothing in the bedroom works. So I was like, what inspector did they hire? Because Ooh, it clearly yeah. the half-assed the job, but I'm, I'm sending that over to the, I sent the list to the builder, 34 page PDF of all of these deficiencies, <laughs> small and big ones waiting yeah. for them to respond back. But we know how it goes with these, these new bills. It could take months for these yeah, things yeah. to get fixed. But so the major moving in though, right? Like fixed. you're just going to move in and let them repair whenever, whenever they get around to it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, tip for those uh, new bills, do not trust your pre-delivery inspector. What they're going to do is they're going to check for major items, right? Like, they're supposed to check for electrical, but I don't know why they didn't, yeah. but they'll check for electrical. Um, they'll check for plumbing, 
to see if your appliances work, stuff like that. They're not going to go into nitty gritty. Dude, I found my trim was not even sanded. It's like they literally bought it from Home Depot. They painted it and then they didn't sand. It was like rough paint, you know, the rough, non-smooth. So you see bumps and shit and it is ridiculous. It's not sanded. Obviously, we have a keen attention. Yeah, to I was gonna say. <laughs> Look, my, you're going through a flip right now. Like these are things that home buyers notice, right? So you, you gotta think make sure that, that you think that, but I, I don't think people. It depends, right? Like I don't think everyone's that picky. And I think from a builder's perspective, are you gonna appease to? the majority of the people that don't have, that aren't going to bend down on their knees and look at the corners of every trim, or are you going to do a half-assed job and then wait for that super uptight guy, Austin, to come and pinpoint every single thing and fix up his unit really nice, right? Oh, dude, you want to know what's hilarious? So I went in today, I saw a young guy go in one of his units. I was like, oh, you're moving in. He's like, yeah. I was like, how is your unit? He's like, oh, it's great. Nothing's wrong with it. I was like, in my head, I I didn't want to tell him. (laughs) But my head, I knew it was like, this is complete bullshit. Like bullshit shit i can yeah. if i go in that unit i'll point out another 50 things wrong with it. <laughs> but poor soul because he's gonna realize when it's too late yeah um, yeah but anyways that's what i've been up to <laughs> so uh aside from kind of our personal life let's just jump straight into the podcast who we have today is tyler tyler is a real estate investor that um really popped up onto the scene not too long ago i want to say less than a year ago so he was working in hydro one before making over a hundred thousand dollars in his job and he was only like he was in his twenties, mid twenties at that point. So pretty good lifestyle, a lifestyle, not people want yeah. not many people want to transition out of, but Tyler, he made the leap of faith. He quit his job. Didn't have that much in savings, believe it or not. He was just like, he's tired of this shit. I'm going to do real estate is what he said. Zero experience in wholesaling whatsoever had no game plan, but was just fed up and he had the grit and determination. So the first month he made $0, but then in nine months, literally nine months, in wholesale fees. That's ridiculous. Half a million dollars in wholesale fees. That's absolutely crazy. I think Tyler is, if I remember correctly, I think Tyler's actually my age. So made me feel like shit, but the guy is an actual beast. He's going out there and he's killing it. And if you're not already on their buyer's list, like make sure you guys follow him, get on their buyer's list. Like Tyler's always got some great um, off-market Maltese and even single-family properties that he's always looking to wholesale. So Tyler's going to be digging into his story on how he got started with wholesaling, that what the process looks like, and his entire journey to date. Uh, so hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. We're here with Mayu and our very special guest, Tyler. Tyler, how's everything going, man? Hey man, all is well. Excited to be here. It's been a long time coming. Can't wait to share my journey here. Love it, love it. We're excited too. I'm sure the guests are going to be excited just by reading the title of this episode, How You Made a Killing in Wholesaling. So uh, for those of you who don't know who you are, why don't you just give maybe a quick one or two minute high level overview of your accomplishments and what you've been up to in real estate? Yeah, absolutely, guys. Yes, yeah, so my name is Tyler. I am a full-time wholesaler right now. I started this journey more or less at a young age. I've always wanted to get into business, real estate, in my early 20s. So my way of looking at it was how am I going to get into business full time? And what's the best way to do it? Therefore, I started my journey more or less going to college, getting a good paying job. And then now I've transitioned into business full time. So definitely excited to be on this podcast to share some good tips I've learned on the way. It's been it's been a good journey so far. So looking forward to this episode. Awesome. Awesome. And why don't we even just dig back a bit deeper into your journey? So how did you get involved in real estate investing? Because when we first met, you were working at Hydro One, like a six figure paying job. So and, yeah. and now you're doing real estate full time. So why don't, why don't we just break down how you got started? Yeah, absolutely, guys. So, you know, from a young enough age, I'd say around like, 
I guess at the end of high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but what I did know is that I wanted to run my own business somehow. So, you know, at that age, I was reading a lot of books, like the classic rich dad, poor dad, you know, all the books about like how to invest, how to get into, you know, business and whatnot. So, you know, my, my way of thinking was, okay, I don't really know what I want to do, but what I should focus on is, you know, finding a job that will pay well. And while I'm at that job, I could learn about business. I could learn about real estate. I could learn about any other sales job. Right. So, that's what I did. Um, out of high school, I went to Cambrian College, which is in Sudbury, it, for the Powerline Technician course. So I took that course, took two years, and I got a job out in Fort McMurray and the Northwest Territories. So I knew at that age, I think I was 22, 21 or 22, and I literally left Timmins. I'm from Timmins, and I drove all the way to Alberta and worked for a Powerline company out there. Didn't know what exactly was going to happen, but found a place to live, was living in hotels for the first like two months in Alberta. Got flown to go work at a caddy diamond mine, which is a diamond mine 50 kilometers south of the Arctic Circle. So, you know, I was out there. I was on that mindset, like I'm 21 or 22. I'm here to just make as much money as possible. I'd work like 21 days on, seven days off. I did a rotation of like 30 days. So that's how the mindset was at a young enough age. And while I was in those camps, I was trying to read those I remember reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad because there was no Wi-Fi connection. Like it was really poor. So I, I remember, you know, sitting in my room at the camp after work and always like reading about like business, real estate and whatnot. And then I actually got severely injured when I worked out West. I got septic arthritis. For anyone that doesn't know what that is, it's like an infection and can like poison your body. So I, long story short, I worked out West, got sick, flew back to Timmins, healed up a bit, went back out West. And then I got laid off because that was in 2014 when the oil prices crashed. So I was out West and then I came back to Timmins and then I started applying for powerline jobs in Ontario, got a job at Hydro One, which is one of the well-known professions here in Ontario. It's one of the best line companies you can work for in North America. And my mindset was, all right, I'm just here to make money and constantly learn about business while I'm here. So I, you know, do long rotations in the middle of nowhere in Ontario, just work, learn about business. And my main focus really was, okay, I want to get into real estate because I've learned that develop, get into real estate is a great way to build wealth. We're obviously very, very aware of that. And just working up North, I'm like, I want to buy a rental property, but where am I going to buy a rental property? I'm not going to buy it in Timmins, nothing against Timmins, but there's no natural appreciation that's going to happen up there. Like there would be, let's say in London or like Ottawa or a bigger city, right? People that are coming from other countries, immigration towards Canada, you know, they're not going to come here and be like, oh, I'm going to move to Timmins. Like there's nothing <laughs> for them. Like there are people that do that, but people are going to just migrate outside of Toronto where it's a little bit more affordable. So I remember I was working up in Manitowoc, which is like eight and a half hours northwest of Timmins. And I was looking at properties. Where am I going to buy a property? So I came across, I was looking at cities like London and Ottawa mainly. And I remember reading an article about London that has stated that back in the 2008 recession, prices of real estate did not go down in London or Sudbury, Ontario. So I'm like, okay, that's a solid you know, foundation to build on. So I looked at properties and prices and I ended up buying a new build just not knowing much about investing, but I'm like, Hey, if I buy a new build, let's just say it appreciates while, you know, it's in pre-construction mode. I, I have a faith that the London market is going to go up. So I called Ironstone building company and I just called them every second week for like a year to say, Hey, I want to lock in this price. Right. Cause you know how those builders sometimes work. Hey, they, they get you excited about the house and then they don't let you lock in mm -hmm. on the price. They were selling new builds for 340 back then. And I was like, I oh, want wow. to do <laughs> Yeah, it was, was that a crazy. single family home or what was that? Townhouse or? 
a single family home. Oh, that, that was, right. I think in like 2017, they were marketing at like 340. So I'm like, okay, a, a new build, like a California style new build for 340. I need to get on that. And I just put pressure on them forever. And by the time I got it, it, it went up to like 420,000 or something. So I was so you bought concerned. it for 340 or you bought it for 420? I bought it for, it was priced at 400, but then I got the finished basement. So I uh-huh. came up to like 423 or something like that. Yeah. That's after a year of trying to to buy it off them, right? But they're just going to hold off on that because they know the market's going up. Right. So long story short, bought that rental property with the mindset, okay, I'm going to hold on to this rental property, let it appreciate over two to three years, however long it may be. And then once I get my red seal at Hydro One, I'm going to sell my asset, have a good amount of money, and obviously I'm going to save money on the side while I'm working at Hydro, and then go into business full-time and use that money to invest into my business. And it's crazy because like that whole plan that I had from a young age has literally came together. I'm 28 now and uh, I literally sold my house a couple of weeks ago and it's actually closing next week. And we sold that for well above what I paid for it. It actually sold for like 570. So I'm super excited that the whole plan worked, right? And now I'm going to be able to use that liquidity and invest it into my business now, which is wholesaling full-time. So you know, all is going very well. How I got into wholesaling essentially was I was watching lots of content online. I came across Grant Cardone's videos and then it went to Graham Stephan's videos. And then it went to Matt McKeever, who is now my mentor. And I came across his video and I was like, this guy is very intelligent. Like I got to get to know this guy. And one of his videos, he was actually sharing like, Hey, I'm just at my rental property here in London, Ontario. And the whole time I'm like, okay, I bought a property in London. Like maybe this means something. So I followed him. And uh, when I followed him on his Instagram, he was promoting an event he was having in Las Vegas. So this was actually two years ago. We actually just talked about it in our group chat today. It was Vegas was two years ago. So never been to a networking event or nothing like that, but I knew I wanted to meet Matt. So then I flew, I bought a plane ticket, a Vegas event ticket, and I bought a suit because I didn't have a suit at the time. I just flew there, went to this networking event and first networking event ever. And now I'm on Matt McKeever's wholesaling team and been very successful at it. So I'm super excited to just share some good tips on this podcast today. Okay, that was a, that was a very detailed backstory and I'm not really sure where to start. But I think you said a lot of great nuggets there. So, okay, so you knew you wanted to go into business and you went into real estate because of the wealth building side of it. How did you decide to go into wholesaling? What is wholesaling for our, our listeners? And why don't you give us some context on that? Yeah, so really quickly, I'll explain. Wholesaling is essentially going out and finding off-market opportunities from motivated sellers and then assigning them to investors. So there's a lot of sellers in the market that don't necessarily want to sell on the MLS. They want to do it privately. And these are for reasons specifically, sometimes you know they don't want to broadcast their property on the MLS. Sometimes they're, you know, they, they just want to do it privately. They don't want to pay the realtor fees or anything like that. So wholesaling is essentially marketing yourself to these sellers and they get in touch with you. You check out the property and you offer an offer to them. Since it's off the market, you're able to get these properties below market value and they're okay with it. Sometimes they just want to sell because they want to move back home to see their family or something. So they're like, you know what? I'll take a little bit of a discount off this just so I can get to where I want to be. And then we get the properties at a slight discount, making it more attractive to like a flipper, for instance, because for them to profit on a flip, it's very, it's possible on the MLS. I don't follow the MLS too, too much right now, but I know it is possible, but it's a lot more time consuming to find that property. So 
Flippers tend to work with wholesalers, long-term buy and hold. Any sort of investment strategy can be attractive with wholesaling. So essentially, that is what wholesaling is. How I got into it, um, I just kept going to networking events and more or less got asked to work as a wholesaler. And, you know, Jeff has been asking me to join the wholesaling team at this point for a couple of months now. And eventually I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go into it. I, I love real estate. This was three months before getting my red seal and I wasn't, I did not like my job and not to, it just wasn't for me. Hydro one, you travel around a lot and I want to work around my own schedule. So I was in a position where I was motivated to leave my job and Jeff more or less said like join our wholesale team. And I was like, all right, sounds good, man. I trust these guys. I've been to their networking events for two years now. I've gone to know them at a pretty good level. So I trust that this is going to work. And I'm just going to go all into it. So Basically left my, my full-time job three months before getting my ticket and knew I was going in head on. So that's how I've been a part of the team now. And I've been on, been on the Matt's wholesale team since end of February. So it's been like eight months from now. And another thing that I should note is I've been doing coaching with Corey McKinnon. I owe a lot of my success to Corey McKinnon as well. And I know you guys are working with Corey as well a lot. So really all three of us are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all the students, right? So that's pretty crazy. Okay, so so you went into wholesaling, you had the confidence to go in kind of just after attending their events. You had really no sales experience at this point. So there's there's two questions there. It's you know, like what was your biggest challenge going into wholesaling new? And like at this point, you've left your job, you, you all of your eggs are in the basket. Like, what was the biggest challenge? And then a second subset of that question is, you know, why do wholesaling and not become a real estate agent? Because I've noticed two things. I've noticed some real estate agents saying they want to get into wholesaling, right? Which and I've noticed, <laughs> well, in, no, they're saying like, in, like, oh, like, like I had another real estate agent contact me on an off-market deal that we had and he wanted to just like assign his, attach his own fee and resell it. And he's like, yo, like, I feel like this is more lucrative than what I do. And I'm like, oh, like, that's interesting. And then I had another person ask me essentially, you know, do you recommend I go into wholesaling or do you recommend I go into becoming a real estate agent? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know either, either one of those. So this is my opportunity to get that answer. <laughs> I'll go quickly. The biggest challenge I would say jumping into it was for me, it was just really trusting the process I found because I've had zero sales experience at this point and I'm going strictly to a full-time sales job. So I'm like, okay. How am I going to understand this process? And does it really make sense? Like, does it work? You know, when I first, in all honesty, when I first was working, when I was working at Hydro One and I would see these wholesale deals come out, I would always wonder like, okay, is this like legit? Or like, can I trust this and whatnot? So when I was actually wholesaling myself, I was just under the impression like, okay, this is legit. This works. Like, let's actually figure out if this process works. So I more or less just worked every day really hard until I got my first deal and it worked out very well. And I, the proof of concept, once that came around, I found it just kind of like snowballed from there. So I'd say like, for me was uh, just understanding that it works, like trusting it. Right. Cause I don't know, I've never been in sales before. So I know being a realtor is, you know, it's, it's traditional, right? So we know it works, but wholesaling, what's, what's the good things? What are the bad things? So I'd be questioning my mind, like, is this a legit process that works, right? But as for why some, why I believe, or should someone become a wholesaler or a real realtor? It obviously really depends on your goals, of course. To be a realtor, you have to take a course. I don't know how long the course is. It could take about a year, I believe. Maybe less. I know you can compress it to make it quicker. So, you know, if you want to be a realtor and you're interested in more of like the exposure and like 
the listing, the retail properties, then that could be really awesome for you, right? As a realtor, you could be selling new builds, you could be selling pre-construction condos, investment properties, like it's very broad. So you could really market yourself to be an expert in a certain niche, whereas wholesaling is more like, okay, you, you could dive into it right away. You don't need to do a course. Uh, you don't need any money technically, because if you want to generate leads, you could just door knock, flyers as well work, online marketing, but you don't need as much money, I would say, just to get into wholesaling. And it, for me, like I, I love challenge and I find like wholesaling, it, it's exciting for me to be like, oh, hey, I got a lead. Let's see if we could get this property under contract. It's a, diff- it's a slightly different ball game. Whereas on the MLS, when the leads come to you, it might just be as simple as posting the property on the MLS. It's a new build. That's exciting for many people. For me, it isn't. I rather, I like the hunt and I find wholesaling is very correlated to that. So. And I, I, to add on to that, I would also think that a uh, realtor is more service based and wholesaling. The product speaks for itself. Like if you bring me a good product, I will, even if you call me ugly, I'd still, and it's a hundred K under value, I'd still gladly work with you. If you're a realtor and you call me ugly, like I'm not working with you, but That's the exactly. product just screams for itself in, in wholesaling. You just got to find the undervalued deals. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's, I believe it's a, you know, a high income skill, like it is. And, you know, it's an aggressive sales job, right? You're, you're marketing yourself and people are coming to you and you're going into these houses to get these properties under contract and you need to assign them to an investor. So I think to develop those negotiation skills will help you in the long run. I don't plan to be a wholesaler my whole life. Right. But right now it's wonderful. But what I do know is in the future, I'm, as of now, I'm developing these high income skills and I'm, developing negotiation skills at the same time, which will transfer if I want to own my own business eventually, or like look into flipping a business one day, it's going to just transfer all the way through. So that totally makes sense. Uh, I want to touch on this real quick. I know that you mentioned it, but I think it's worthwhile to dive deeper into it. Or why would a seller decide to list privately? Cause nine times out of 10, it makes more sense to go on the MLS. Hence, you find whenever a realtor gets involved in a wholesale, it's like, oh, I'm going to get a realtor to come tell me what the fair market value would be. As yeah. a wholesaler, you're like, all right, well, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> but so, so why would a seller list privately? And what was your experience for the most, I guess, the, the, the common reason why they'd, they'd sell with a wholesaler? Yeah, generally, the main reason is like people that sell off market generally have some motivation tied to why they're selling. So it could be whether they've recently, you know, gone through a divorce or, you know, the bank is going to close on the property. There's a multitude of factors which can really be the reason why they're selling it. I find a lot of sellers I've worked with, they just don't, sometimes they just don't want the neighbors to know what their house looks like on the inside. Maybe they didn't take care of their property. Maybe it's a mess. And especially if it's like a smaller town or like, you know, everyone knows everybody. Let's say like my main market's Woodstock and it's like a population of 40,000. So like, it's a good size, but it's not like huge. Therefore, if someone isn't really confident in their property, they don't want it to be on the market. So their friends, their family, their neighbors can all see what it looks like. So sometimes that's a route they go. Sometimes it could be as easily as, you know, maybe they just need to sell quickly because they have another property closing or, you know, maybe they're going through a divorce and they just want the headache to be gone. Like there's a multitude of reasons. It Sometimes, yes, like realtor could say that, yeah, we, we can sell your house for $400,000 on the market, but that's not an actual offer. When you're wholesaling, you're actually giving them an offer. So 
there's a little, they know it will sell on the market, but sometimes it could take three months, right? And can you negotiate the closing date? It's a little bit more difficult. Whereas in a wholesale, like I'm in person with the seller, I can say, hey, look, like I understand that I'm not getting this at, you know, I'm getting this under market value. Is there any way I can help in that regard? Like what closing date do you want? What terms do you want? Do you want to keep anything from the house? Like it's a bit more on a personal vibe. So there's many reasons. Generally, people will get more money on the market though. And when you're buying these properties, you're putting like a, I don't know, like a two to three week, like contingency period, essentially, while you hunt for that investor, right? So like, is that not a hurdle that a lot of sellers go, wait, like this isn't then a firm sale? Like, you know, why would I give it to you rather than just putting it up in the market for two to three weeks? Yeah, that's generally, I, I never really get those questions from sellers. I more or less just state like when we put our conditions in, we generally do it for two to three weeks, like you'd mentioned, and uh, it consists of three walkthroughs. So to explain that to a seller, sometimes it can be a little bit difficult, but when you approach is like, look, realistically, if you list it on the market, there's going to be people coming through anyway, right? What I'll need these three walkthroughs for essentially would be one would to be bring investors we work with to come check out the property. Like very rarely people buy sight unseen, right? It's, it just goes across the board. So that's one reason why we need one of the walkthroughs. Sometimes we need the walkthrough, you know, to get an appraisal done or, if the buyer wants to get his contractor to come through. So when you explain it that way, they understand it. It's not like it's like, hey, three walkthroughs, but just sign. Like I really explain the conditions on the property, on the offer. Therefore, the seller really understands where you're coming from and it builds trust and it allows them to want to work with you more. Awesome. So, so, and you also did something interesting, which I think is you have some single families, but you also had some really good multis as well, right? So like, yeah. How has the strategy changed between those two? And just talk about your actual deals that you've done so far. Yeah. So yeah, like mentioned, I've done single family homes. I've done multifamily homes. Generally, like the, the structure of it works differently. Generally with the multifamily properties, obviously it's more based off like the income it produces and the condition of the property matters, just not as much as a single family home I've noticed. And so the landlords that I've worked with that have the multifamily properties, they generally just don't want the tenants knowing they're selling because they don't know how it's going to affect them. And so you try and just more or less say like, look, like in order for me to sell this, I still need to go through it and all that kind of stuff. And that's to value the property. It's more of like, we're, we're assigning them to investors, right? So if I have a five plex I'm trying to assign and I assign it to an investor and I'm like, look, you can make, you know, a thousand plus cash flow on this property makes it more attractive on that end. So I really base my pricing on, based off like the income it can produce. Single family homes essentially is more about like, there's long-term buy and hold, burrs, you know, there's Airbnbs, flips. There's so many different strategies. I mainly focus my model on flips. So the standard flipper generally wants to reassure they can make like a $30,000 profit. So when I'm going into these properties, I'm looking at like, okay, what price do I need it for? What are the renovation costs? And what can they sell it afterwards? It's similar to a burr. It, there's a little bit more fees when it's flipping, of course, but uh, similar, slightly similar models. Models. And so, it really depends on the strategy. Like I, most properties, single-family home, I sell to flippers, and then obviously the multis are for the buy and hold investors. So, gotcha. A common question, I guess, I get from newer investors is, is that, hey, I want to buy a deal off of a wholesaler, but this is going to be my first deal ever. Should yeah. I buy from a wholesaler or not? So what are kind of the differences between working with the realtor and with the wholesaler and how do you deal with, what's a typical buying process when you work with, I guess, a buyer who, who you're looking to assign to? Yeah. So typically the process is 
I, I would get the property under contract. Let's just say it's a single family home flip. So the, the process would be I'd get under contract. I'd send up, send up like a, a seller's pack or buyer's package story. And we would market that out. And then the interested parties would reach out to us and they generally would just ask, when can I go see it? So what would happen would be I'd, I'd negotiate with the seller and say, hey, we have people interested. I'd schedule showings from like, let's say one to 5 p.m. All the investors interested would come check out the property. And I'd say, look, this is the price we're asking. If you come, if you offer this price, we'll just go with you. If, you know, if there's lower offers, we're going to wait till we get the price we're looking for. So generally the investors would go through, I would touch base with them afterwards and they would just call me and say, Hey, my offer is this. We'd hold offers until we get, if someone, for instance, my, my most recent one was 306 Queen street. I had that, I got it under contract for 306 and we were marketing at 375. So then instantly we had like, we had 12 or 13 people want that one. So then we had like six or seven offers come in. And as soon as we got the 375, we just assigned it for 375. So we had a buyer say, Hey, look, I like this. I want it for 375. I'm like, thank you. This is the price we're asking. So we're just right away going to work with you. So therefore, I, I let them know, hey, look, the assignment fee is 70000 on this one. Therefore, like, do you have the capital available? There's definitely a process of like, how's your financing? Are you able to afford the fee, right? Especially for the larger fees like that. So essentially, they put their offer in. We require them to give us their details for their lawyers and their email addresses, their full legal names. We'll send them a Form 145, which is the assignment paperwork, stating the wholesale fee, the purchase price. Then it gets signed and then they transfer the 50% deposit of the wholesale fee to the lawyers and trust. And then they, we require 50% after or by closing. And then at that point, it's all in the lawyer's hands and I work with them to make sure it goes through properly. And it's been a very good model. It's worked very well for us. And our buyers are always happy. I had a fiveplex in Woodstock. We got for 525, we assigned it for 625 and I had tons of people like, I reached out to you on that one, man. <laughs> yeah, you reached out. That, that was ridiculous, right? Like that's, and that's a hundred thousand dollar wholesale fee. And like, I had so many buyers say like, I just can't justify the wholesale fee. It doesn't make sense. Like, why am I giving you a hundred thousand for this? Like, it, I, that's crazy. Right. So then essentially I, we assigned the deal. I, I signed the deal from an investor in Toronto and it was all over the phone. He didn't even see the property and he was okay paying the fee. Don't he, you love Toronto investors? <laughs> oh, it, it was ideal, right? It was, it was wonderful. And he was a happy guy. And I'm like, look, man, like well, I have it for 525. I'm assigning it for 625. I know it's a big fee, but what I can reassure you is that this is worth well above this on the market. I predicted that it was worth above 700,000 on market just because of what the comps were going for and whatnot. So the buyer, he's like, okay, I'll buy it. Just let me get a realtor I work with to go through. And if it's worth that on the market, I'll take it. So then his realtor in the area went to go check out the property. And she's, she told him it was worth $699. So that was like $1,000 off what I predicted. As soon as that happened, he's like, okay, I'm buying it. And we took care of the assignment paperwork. So we've done a lot of larger fees. Like the majority of my deals have been over 50000 the past couple months. And I've assigned a good amount of deals. And like, it's if I could prove to the buyer that they're making money on the buy, they generally don't care about the fee. So it, it really depends on the product, right? If we're giving them a good product, like you guys mentioned at the start of this podcast, like the fee doesn't matter. Just, our buyer paid six figures in wholesale fees, but he still got it 75,000 under market. So he's happy, right? Exactly. I'm glad that you mentioned that because people ask, like, why would I pay, for example, a hundred thousand wholesale fee? I know a lot of people understand the Toronto market more so, but what if someone comes to you, it's like, I'll sell you a downtown condo for 200 grand. 
and you're like, all right, that's a dope deal. But they're like, <laughs> oh, I yeah. got it under contract for a hundred. So you're giving me a hundred K in an assignment fee. That doesn't make it any worse of a deal, right? It just no. comes down to your purchase price at the end of the day. Absolutely, man. And like how I look at it too, right? Is like I have this for 525. Like if we close on this, we get it reappraised at 700. Like that's a good amount of money. So I'm very confident in the product regardless. For me to justify it being a good deal for myself and for, you know, our buyer, need to make a good amount on it, right? So and if I know I'm assigning it, if I assign it, you know, let's say I got a 525, I assign it for 550, the buyer makes 150,000 on the buy. That's a very happy buyer, but I like to make sure it's a win-win for everybody. So yeah, man, like I, I'd have to agree with that. I, I think me and Austin, we've both paid in the 30 to 50 range. I think the biggest challenge for a lot of like newcomer real estate investors, because I know like two, three years ago, or maybe maybe it was two years ago, I was following Matt and, and the click and I saw the wholesale deals coming. I'm like, these are dope deals, but I wish I had extra cash to pay as a wholesale fee, right? So like, what are, what are some of the strategies that you see that people are using to kind of fund the wholesale deals? Is it all just cash up front or like what, what else have you seen? Cause I, I know there's a lot now, now knowing what I know, I know there's a lot more creative approaches, but when I first got started, it was like, fuck, like, okay, it's a 40 K down payment. And then like a 40 K wholesale fee, fuck. So yeah, it, it really varies. Like we now offer, since we've been doing larger fees lately, our company has been offering to finance the wholesale fees. So that'd be like a six, three to six month term at roughly like a 10% interest rate. So that's only, I've only had to do that for one of my deals. And it was the multifamily I was just talking about. There's a lot of brokers. Like if you guys are familiar with Josh Finlay and Aaron Leacock, they actually offer products now where if the buyer is buying the property for such a good deal under market, like they'll actually help finance the deal and finance the wholesale fee. So we had that happen for one of our deals. Generally, most buyers that are very interested actually have the capital. I don't know if they just use private lenders for it. That's very probable that that's probably what they're doing. And then like they still, you know, buy it and they still get to reappraise the property and take the money right back out. There's my, my, I sold a fourplex in Ingersoll and we had that, I got under contract for 340. We marketed it for 380 and we had a buyer come in at uh, 406. So we sold that for a $66,000 fee. And he actually just got back to me recently and he's just like, Hey man, just want to like, let you know how happy I am with this deal. We bought it off you for 406. Like they paid a $66,000 fee. So that's a good fee. Right. And he told me that he literally spent a thousand dollars on the exterior, like cleaning out the yard, getting rid of some garbage. And then it got reappraised for like 460 or something like that. So he literally made like $60,000 on the buy, even if he had that, $66,000 wholesale fee. So he's like, I'm super happy. Let's get more of these. Right. There's a lot of investors actually that have the capital for it. And there's always private lenders that'll lend on them if they know it's a good deal. Like lenders really understand deals. Like they, they lend all the time. Right. So if the buyer is like, look, I'm going to, you guys are very awesome. Very good with the Burr, Burr strategy, right? You buy properties and you refinance, you can get that capital out to pay the lender sometimes. So that's been a strategy I've seen pretty often. Mm. Yeah, and I think exactly. So I think the guy that you just talked about that bought it at three at four hundred or four four or five or whatever, and yeah. he refinanced it at four sixty. He's basically ending up with like rough mental math here. I think like a twenty k net investment on that property, even though he paid you guys a sixty k wholesale fee. He's much yeah. better off than if he went on the market, bought that same property for four sixty, and left like what is that like eighty or hundred grand in, as a down payment, right? Yeah. So yeah, it all just comes down to like how under market it is. So Tyler, like we, you, you said a whole bunch of like random fees that you earned over the last coming months. Like how much have you actually made as a wholesale wholesaler? And this is all within like 
what is it like six months now of being a wholesaler, right? Seven months, I think. Yeah. So it's almost like crazy saying these numbers, to be honest. I, I'm very happy with how I'm doing. But <laughs> since I've started, I, I started basically at the end of February. So the last week of February and we're at 486,000 so far for this year. Just you. Just me. Yeah. Wow. So, so, <laughs> okay. Okay. Let, let's backtrack, Tyler. So you yeah. were at Hydro One when? When did you leave your job? And how quickly did you start wholesaling? Because it's only been six months or seven months, as you were saying. Yeah. yeah. So I left Hydro One in January, and then I started working for Matt's team roughly end of February. Obviously, I was working with Corey as a coach as well around that time. So basically, full time wholesaling. It's been since end of. So that's eight months. Eight months. And and at Hydro One, you were making well over a hundred thousand. Yeah. And you were only 27 or 27 at that time? Yeah, 27 at the time. I just turned 28 uh, three weeks ago. And what was your financial position like? Because your opportunity cost was huge to make that transition. Yeah. So I was at Hydro One, I was making 40 an hour, roughly making 120,000 or $110,000 that last year. And then I had three months to get my red seal. And I was like, you know what? I just want to do wholesaling right now. I don't want to do this job anymore. It wasn't for me. And I really believed in wholesaling. I thought it was amazing. So obviously dove deep into it. And, you know, now we've generated half a million in wholesale fees this year and it's been eight months. So it's definitely, it's definitely paid off, right? Four times. And then then. (laughs) generated, uh, the last couple months have been the best months for sure. Since, since July, it's been over 400,000 alone. Last month was our best month. And it was like a 175,000 in October, which is crazy, right? So to be able to make that kind of money is insane. Obviously providing a lot of value to the sellers and to the buyers. So, And I want people to realize that it was a scary transition for you because you were giving up a lot to to make that switch over. And you never knew that you would have the success that you had. You just kind of put your head down and grinded it out. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like essentially I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go into wholesaling so I could understand how to buy properties and flip them and renovate them. And just with the success I've had in the past few months, I'm, I'm just going to probably stick to this strategy. It's been working out so well. And I really do love wholesaling. Like I, I love it. Like I've never been happier. And this is during a time where there's lots of uncertainties in the market with COVID and you know, I'm, I'm definitely happy with things are gone. And in the moment it was, you know, leaving that full-time job. Like I have a, I had a mortgage at the time. So I had a rental property in London at the same time. And I literally left that job just to go into a, a sales job. That's you only get paid. You eat what you kill. Right. So I'm like, okay, I got mortgage payments, but this is what I know I want to do. So I'm just going to dive right deep into it. We're going to make it work. If I want it badly enough, I'm going to make sure those mortgage payments get covered. So I remember the first couple of months, like I'd have like, <laughs> literally have like nightmares at like two in the morning of like missing phone calls and like missing mortgage payments and stuff like that. And I would just be like, okay, we're going to figure this out. We're going to make sure it, uh, it works. So it's, it's definitely paid off. So, yeah, so good thing it worked out or I would have been wholesaling Tyler's house. I would have been knocking, Hey Tyler, you're looking to sell. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. Hey, could wholesale my property. I would have been motivated. So you started February and that was obviously a very terminal time, like February of 2020. You know, how long did it take you to get your first deal or really any cash in the door from your business? So honestly, my first two walkthroughs I've ever done, I actually closed on. So it actually, yeah, looking back at it now. Yeah. So I got a, a Brantford fourplex was my first deal. And we got that for 295 and we estimated 
that the fair market afterwards was definitely around like 400 plus for sure. And that was when I was first starting. So I, I assigned that we got it for 295. We assigned it for like 310. Looking back at it now, it could have been more obviously. And then the other one was a single family home in air. So the first two walkthroughs went really well. And that just gave me a ton of confidence to move forward. After that, it takes time. Obviously, I, I definitely consider maybe I got lucky the first couple of deals, of course, to run into some motivate, motivated sellers. But like, that's more or less how it started. I wonder if the like the environment back then helped you really, because like a lot of people were uncertain about the valuation of their houses. So I wonder if that actually helped yep. you kickstart and boost the confidence, right? Cool. Yeah, I have another question. So Tyler, you built a very successful wholesale business from pretty much generating nothing when you first started to $400,000 in eight months. What are the key pillars to your success? And what would you say aspiring wholesalers out there need to wrap their head around before getting in the game? Yeah, so if, if you're a new wholesaler, and you know, there's lots of a lot of people are looking into wholesaling right now, right? There's tons of marketing saying, you know, go into wholesale and you could generate income for yourself working from home. What I would definitely suggest is like, if you're really interested in wholesaling, really commit to it and understand why you want to wholesale. Because wholesaling is not like you just show up people's houses, buy their houses and make a lot of money. Like there's a, there's a process to it, right? You need to understand the markets. You need to understand renovations. You need to understand a lot of things. Um, so I think developing a strong mindset right from the start, like figuring out like your, your why, right? Why am I going into wholesaling? Because it's going to be, there's going to be ups, bumps down the road. So I would definitely dial that in for sure. I mean, definitely like it, it's a numbers game. So like the more flyers you send out, the more doors you knock, the more opportunities are going to come your way. So I think having that hunger is definitely going to help. You got to be driven. You got to be motivated and people that will reach out to you to sell their house, like they want to sell. So if you could help, help them sell, like maybe figure out why they want to sell. Like, do they want to find a new place to live? Help them find a new place to live. It's really, I've, what I've learned is like wholesaling, it's really about understanding your sellers and providing value in a different way because you are getting the properties under market value. So offer value, go in with good intentions and really help out the sellers and you will be successful in wholesaling. That's an awesome last answer, but now I've got another question. Okay. So, so like, okay. So you, if you're new to, if you're new to wholesaling or even if you're trying to evaluate a wholesale deal and it's a completely new market, right? Like how do you guys go about, you know, evaluating the deal, like determining what are the comps, like what, what is market value and like gauging the renos, like all that stuff. Like, how do you really go about doing that? Like when you first got started, what was your approach to that? I, I was able, so for when I first started, I also like, I was able to work with a good team. Therefore, I wasn't just going in blind by myself. I would go do the walkthrough and then I would ask my partners like, okay, what's the renovation cost and how can we figure out the ARV? So if you're, you're new to wholesaling, definitely surrounding yourself with people that are doing good in wholesaling or just flipping in general, people that understand the markets, leverage that, get add value to their lives and they'll come back and they'll teach you more. So the main thing I look for when I'm looking at properties, like if I get a, a call from a seller and I look at the property on Google maps, the first thing I'm doing is reaching out to a realtor and getting comparables. So once you get the comparables, what you want to do is find a house that's sold very similar to that one. And if you can find one fully renovated, then figuring out your ARV is going to be key. If you see a property and you know what the property is worth fully renovated, that will really help you factor in what you need the property for. 
as for renovations, like I've noticed in the past couple months, like literally renovations have like skyrocketed. And I'm obviously you guys are very familiar with this in the past few months, but working with investors that have done a lot of renovations to give you their tips of like, okay, how much would this renovation cost be? I think it's a great way to start because it's, it's very hard to go in there and look and say, okay, the renovation cost is going to be 50,000. Well, it's like, okay, how, how do you know that? Right? Like that first Brantford fourplex I got, it was a, a big fourplex and it was completely gutted to the studs. So I didn't really know what the renovation cost was. I was like, how much is this? And I, and I was told from my partners, like it could be easily up to 200 grand. And so when I factored that in and then figured out, okay, there's a triplex or a fourplex that sold for this price. I need it for this price, 200 K renovation. I can't go over this price. So quick tip would be figure out ARV, find some help for renovation costs. If you aren't familiar with it. And then at that point, factor it into your calculations and you'll get like your max allowable offer. So. Cool. That's awesome. So with that, let's lead, let's go into kind of the, our rapid round questions. Um, and this one, it's going to be a little bit different, but our first question is, you know, where will we see you five years from now? But also to add to that, I think I heard, or I read somewhere that you're kind of moving into kind of the private loan space. So what's your vision for your business? Like, are you moving into private lending, real estate? And, you know, if it is private loans, like how are you going about issuing them? Just talk about that a little bit, because we haven't really had anyone on here that's explored that space. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Yeah. So there's the past actually couple of weeks, I've been really thinking about where I see myself in the next couple of years, because from the start, my plan was just to get some passive income coming in, whether it's through rental properties or private lending. I find like if you are going to be buying rental properties, it does take up a lot of time, right? Like if, like if you're a bird investor, like Austin, he, you have tons of properties in Windsor, right? Like that requires a lot of time. And like, for me right now, I'd like to get properties, but I know that wholesaling is going really well. So my time is going to go to wholesaling. So if I want to get passive income, I have to decide private lending or, you know, burrs for instance. So right now I'm on the fence. I'm thinking just to, once I get some capital come in, ex- get into the private lending. I know that you can get some good rates right now. I think like if you private lend to some flippers, they'll pay like 12 to 14%. So I'm not exactly sure how I will issue that out or I haven't gone too deep into that yet because I haven't done it, but the majority I plan right now is to get the money I'm creating, get it into private lending, send some to marketing and just continue to scale my business. I want to get into more markets. Like right now I'm in five markets. So I want to continue to grow and just increase the marketing budget and continue to grow into the business. As for five years from now, I see myself still wholesaling deals, potentially maybe buy some larger multifamilies, maybe go into the the business side of looking into like, how to potentially start a, another business or like, can I get into flipping businesses? So there's so many ideas I have right now. I, I really haven't dialed into it fully, but what I want to do in the long run is to be able to provide value and actually like help young individuals. Let's say you're in high school, you don't know what you want to do. I want to be able to go in there and coach a young individual and like teach them, look, if you're unsure what you're doing at this age, don't worry. I was in the same position and I was able to create a successful business here's a good way of doing it. You know, I, I want to be able to help the younger generation, especially like if you're in high school and you don't, you don't really know if you want to go to university, go to college or anything like that. If I could take a person in that age, cause I was that guy, like in high school, I didn't know what I was doing. And if I could train them to create their own business, I'd like to get into that. So I've got a couple different ideas right now is to just scale the business and get some passive income in. If I can get a good amount of passive income coming in, I could focus on like training a younger individual to, 
create a successful business, right? So yeah. goes, what are the five markets that you focus in on? Uh, so I've, I've mainly focused in on Woodstock. Woodstock's my main market, Ingersoll and Brantford. And just just now I've actually sent flyers to uh, London as well. So Woodstock, Ingersoll, Brantford, and London. Sorry, I guess four markets right now. Yeah. But I haven't tried the London market yet. So I'm, I'm excited to see where that comes. So. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, second question is, is that if you won $10 million today, what would you do with it? Oh, $10 million. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a tough one. I would. You got a $10 million wholesale fee. What do you do with it? <laughs> definitely <laughs> lend out. A, I would definitely lend out a lot of it. And then depending on with that kind of money, you can really look into flipping businesses you can really look into starting as another business or, you know, I, I'm big into the health and fitness. I would definitely be interested in starting like a, a supplement company or like a health and fitness business, maybe like coaching for like younger generation people that are in like high school and they don't know what they want to do yet. If I can find like a way to train them and actually like coach people. Cause like I mentioned earlier, that's where I was. I was very confused at the end of high school. Like what do I even want to do? So if I could just spend the money in, in that manner, I guess. Cool. That's awesome. So our last question for the podcast is if you could have dinner with any person dead or alive, like who would you choose and why? You know, I, I really like the motivation and the ambition that the rock has. I think it's his story is pretty solid where, you know, he was a football player and he was on his football team. And there was a guy on his team that looked at him and said, look, I'm going to make it to the NFL before you are. And like they, the rock ended up hurting himself. So he never got to that level, but then he talks about how he put his back against the wall and he just went all in. I find that very inspirational. So I think I'd like to meet me and the rock would be pretty solid, very successful, big into health and fitness, which I'm all about has amazing work ethic. So I think he would, he'd be a solid connection to have, right? Being able to communicate with the rock would be pretty good. That'd be awesome, man. And he'll be your private lender too, if you ever want to close some deals. <laughs> Let's do some business. I'll wholesale you some multifamilies, Rock. Come on. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, Rock maybe actually tunes into this podcast, back. so you might be getting a DM soon. Yeah, man. Maybe maybe the Rock's looking for a fourplex. I don't know. I can help you. <laughs> you want it? Our- hey, vacancy rates in Woodstock, 1.3%. Are you interested? <laughs> <laughs> So thanks so much for joining, Tyler. Really appreciate it. You dropped a lot of gold nuggets and I know I definitely learned a lot. I can see Mayu nodding his head. So he's he's learned a lot too. Your story is absolutely inspirational. If people want to reach out to you, hear more about your journey or just kind of follow you along the way, where can they do so? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Tyler Labresh, And I also have Facebook as well. Just my full name, Tyler Labresh, as well. So cool. We'll drop those in the show notes. So if you guys want to give Tyler a follow, which you definitely should, because he's always hustling, make sure to do so. And thank you again, Tyler, for joining. Next time we have you on, you're probably going to be up to 10 million in wholesale fees. So our next question would be, what would you do if you got 100 million in wholesale fees? hundred <laughs> Oh, man, that's thinking, eh? <laughs> that's a lot of money. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for tuning in. And until next time, best smarter, live better.